and welcome to episode 42 of Whiskey Talk from the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. I'm Mad Schmoll. Have you ever wondered where certain whiskies take their names from? Whether it's a challenging Gaelic tongue twister, one of the many glens, or another bottle of Ben something or other? Turns out you can't always take the place names at face value, and if you head off in search of Glen Flagler, for example, you're going to be disappointed. That's where Jake King and his new book, The A to Z of Whiskey Place Names, Landscape, Language and Invention, is essential reading for every whiskey drinker. Jake's book manages to both educate and expose certain myths in equal measure, as I found out when I caught up with him at the vaults in Leith recently. I began by asking Jake about where the inspiration came from for The A to Z of Whiskey Place Names. Well, that's a very long story. A very short story is I'm by uh, trade what's called a toponymist which is the posh way way of saying I research place names for a living um, through my job Um, um, and as part of that um, I was asked by um, Edinburgh University who do a Gaelic week um, once a year um, and they wanted to do an event in tandem with the Water of Life Society I think it's called which is basically the Edinburgh University Mm -hmm. Whiskey Society um, and we did so we did a an event where um, there'd be five whiskies someone from the society would talk about the whiskey and then I would talk about the place name uh, weaving into a little bit about Gaelic um, and things like that and the other and the other languages of Scotland um, and then we would have a night like that and then we'd all sing a Gaelic song at the end so and when that started I noticed that there was a lot of interest in it and as I I worked I worked up writing the different entries up, you know, five entries, ten entries, fifteen, and then it slowly gradually dawned on me that there was possibly a, sort of a book there if I could get every, well, not every whiskey, but most of the whiskies that were available and work it up into a book. And that's what gr- gradually happened over, mm. over uh, five years or something. I think I, that was, I started doing that. Yeah, and I think when we last spoke, you yeah. were getting started on the book. And yeah. we spoke a little bit about what exactly a place name is, but for mm. the completely uninitiated, what is a place name, where do they come from, and um, and what are some of the, the language influences? Yeah, okay, yeah, well, what is a place name is a philosophical question, but I mean, I think most people know know instinctively, because we're all human beings that live in, in the world, yeah, what a place name is is something that has an identity, that you give it a name that is shared with other people so that you can, you, you can share that. So if you want to say so-and-so, if you want to, to know where to meet or where to go, you, you can, you can um, do that. The, the idea behind a place name is that it's always, it's always part of a language. Um, when, it's, when a place name is born, it's always part of the language that people speak and it always... Um, adheres to the um, adheres to the language um, the sort of grammatical syntactic rules of, of the language um, um, that's spoken at the time so if you have a, a black rock you say we'll meet at the black rock and you describe, you describe it but you wouldn't say rock black or you wouldn't use rock from a completely different language you would just use it in a very descriptive um, completely descriptive term and then of course if in the future, we stop speaking English and we speak a different language. We might carry on calling it Black Rock, and then that word would be um, not transparent or not understandable. And that's what's happened. We have a lot of Gaelic names in Scotland. Most people now don't speak Gaelic, but we 
have preserved those names and they're now no longer transparent to the speakers of the time. Um, and then that, that can happen with Norse, Gaelic, Scots, all different sorts of things. So a very small selection of names are mm -hmm. understandable to English speakers now in Scotland. And then, of course, we also have language changing. So, for instance, in England, we have Nottingham or something, and that's, not, that's a perfectly good English name. But because English has evolved over a thousand years, we now no longer understand that. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? It, it does. I mean, I think you wrote that the study of place names can be quite difficult in it Scotland. It is indeed, yeah. Um, why yeah. is that? Yeah, well, yeah, so getting, I've talked in abstracts there, I suppose. So in Scotland is somewhat, I don't know if it's exactly unique, but it's notable that it has a lot of different languages that feed into the linguistic landscape of place names, mm -hmm. which basically means if you have a particular um, place name, it could come from any number of languages and it could have a story of weaving in and out of those different languages. So we have, um, we have, well, I could go backwards in time. We have English, so we have a bunch of English names. We have Scots names, um, and Scots is a, for listeners that might not know, Scots is a is a language that's also um, also evolved from Old English, like English is, but it's it broken off at an earlier stage of the language and um, earlier stage of, of English and has diverged. So it's, although it's closely related to English, it's not English. Mm -hmm. And for people wondering, it's the language of, of Robert Burns or uh, Rabbi Burns. Um, it's that, and it, which is a completely separate language. And we have various names, um, Scots names from that. And then... We also have names from the Celtic languages. Mm -hmm. So we have um, Gaelic, which most place names in Scotland are of Gaelic origin, broadly speaking. And most names in the book, um, the A to Z of whiskey place names, are of, of, of Gaelic origin, mainly because most of the, the distilleries are in the Highlands. Um, and then we also have names of what I call British or Britonic or Pictish origin. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're names that are Celtic, but they're mostly, most closely related to, uh, from living languages to Welsh. Um, but that language is no longer spoken in Scotland and hasn't been for about a thousand years or something like that. Um, and then we also have languages of Norse origin, which is broadly speaking Viking names. So that's, that's a Germanic language that comes from Scandinavia. Um, the uh, Vikings, Viking settled, coined place names. Um, um, and that's no longer spoken in that language is no longer spoken in Scotland but we have borrowed some of the words and Gaelic specifically has borrowed a lot of words from Viking and also a lot of the settlement names in the Western Isles are of Norse origin and if we're talking about um, your research what did you discover um, about the links between landscape and language on these whiskey place names oh that's a large question um, um, what did I discover? I need to think about that. Um, I mean, the main, the main thing I'd say in terms of the book, obviously as a place name researcher, I discover lots of things all the time. What I, one of the things that really surprised me in terms of whiskey, whisk, the names of whiskies, is how many fake, um, fake names there were. By then, by, when I say fake, I don't mean the name of the whisky is real, but they don't actually derive from a real place name. So the, ma the main thing for that is names like um, Glen this and Glen that. We have um, um, 
Yeah, a lot of them, there's, yeah, I don't know, 60 pages of a book are taken up to names that begin with Glenn. Um, and we have, um, funnily enough, things like um, Glenn Flagler, um, which is a name of a whiskey, and that actually came from Flagler Avenue in West Palm Beach in Florida, right. where the owner, publica's owner, Simon Neumann, who, who owned public industries in the 20th century, he lived there so he decided to call the whiskey after the place that he lived <laughs> so he flagler avenue so he called it glenn flagler and then flagler avenue was named after henry flagler who was an early florida railroad tycoon <laughs> who built most of miami so as you say there's no such place as glenn flagler in scotland that you can visit but it's it has a it has a a, a weaving origin <laughs> back back through the you know, 20th century and the 19th century so that's one of the one of the the funniest ones but generally broadly speaking I'm surprised I mean Glenn in a certain way is tagged onto names just to denote that it means it's a whiskey so some you some like Glenn Morangie is the famous one that was um that um um that was actually the result of a of a complaint um because they that, I don't know if you remember 10 might even been 20 years ago there was an advert about Glenn Morangie that said it was called the Glen of Tranquility, as if it was a real place name, but Glen Morangie isn't a real place name. Morangie is a perfectly good place um, from Gaelic, uh, ultimately from Gaelic Mor Inchi, which means the big hawk or the big mm -hmm. riverside uh, or seaside uh, meadow. But then Glen was added on to, to give it an air of authenticity for whiskies. And then when they decided to advertise it, they called it, they said it was the Glen. Of tranquility as a derivation of its name, which is basically, I don't want to say on a podcast, it's sort of nonsense in terms of yeah. linguistically, it's not true at all. Yeah. But they doubled down on it, um, um, the advertising, um, the, uh, the, 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 the company uh, doubled down on it and tried to stick by um, their, their derivation, which isn't linguistically correct. Let's just say that. Well, and I think there's also a certain trend of making names appear more Scottish. So mm -hmm. you mentioned yeah. Glenn, but there's also a few others, I yeah. believe, that you. Well, mentioned. yeah, like do you mean like with the adding the H in? Is that is that the what you're getting? H in yeah. verse, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so there was. So I mean, as you say, adding Glenn on the front, you can add Ben Ben on the front of various names as well, um, like Ben. Ben Eagles is the name of a name of a whiskey from, which is from Glen Eagles, which is a perfectly good place. Glen means a valley, perhaps for our, um, our American listeners that might not might not understand that. And Ben is the name of a of a, of a, a mountain in, in Scotland, which comes from Gaelic Bain, which also just means means a mountain. But they've swapped there; they've swapped Glen for Ben. There's no such place as Ben Eagles in Scotland, and they do that a lot. They mess around with the elements, taking them in, putting them out, and then also, as we mentioned, there's inserting an H. So in Gaelic spelling, orthography is the posh word for it. In Gaelic spelling, you can add an H in to after a consonant in a word uh, in various situations, which I won't go into here because mm. it's too complicated, but it looks very alien to English writing. So, um, so, um, um, but it does look specifically quite Gallic. So sometimes people, um, sometimes to give it an air of Gallicness, they will add in an H mm -hmm. after the name. So for instance, Dallas Do is, um, is spelt um, the Do, do is perfectly good 
Gaelic word for black. Um, and it's spelled D-U-B-H in Gaelic. But when they spelt it in the name of Dallas Do the distillery, they spelt it D-H-U to give it that H uh, spelling, which ultimately er derives from a spelling from Sir, uh, Sir Walter Scott's mm -hmm. um, Lady of the Lake, Roderick Do. Um, but yeah, so it uh, gives it an air of air of Gallicness. Are there any favourites that you have that are maybe some better examples of whiskey place names that are actually the place name that they're kind of named after? Oh, I see, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I love all place names equally. Um, there's, um, I like, I like Nokando, that's a great, that's a great one. Nokando is, um, so on the, on the bottle of whiskey, it says it's from the little, the black little hill um so it's a bit hard to explain this but basically um that if that were true that's not that's not strictly true that would be from uh krochgan du so i just mentioned that black means du which mm -hmm. i just brought in there krochgan is gaelic for the little hill from kroch which is like our word knock k-n-o-c-k which is can be the word for a, a hill or the to knock um um, but that's but that's but that's spelled like that. And if you look at it in English, Nokando, it looks like it might possibly be that. But actually, in Gaelic, it's quite different. It's from Krochhjanoch, which is a completely different word. It means the hill of buying or the hill of um, merchandise, not merchandise. The hill of of um, what's the word? The, uh, not buying. Yes. Sorry? Goods. Goods, yeah, something like that. Like yeah. this sort of abstract term yeah. um, for, uh, for, the, for, for, for buying and selling and things like that. But anyway, that's, that's where the name comes from. We don't know why it's called that, but it's, um, it's also stressed on that second syllable, knockando. As if it was the Black Hill, it'd be knockando, mm. is how you pronounce it in English. So that's a really interesting one. That's a really good example of how place names can be deceptive. You know, it doesn't... It doesn't it, doesn't always it's not it's not always obvious what a place name means just by looking at it or having a Gaelic or Scots dictionary to hand and looking up the elements you do need to do uh, research into it in mm. order to find out what the origin of these names are unfortunately we do actually have evidence where Nokando had a Gaelic speaking population a hundred years ago so people were able to ask ask the local mm -hmm. people that live there what how they pronounce the name so we have we have that on record that's great. Yeah, and we also have spellings that don't conform to the, the Little Black Hill mm -hmm. um, um, derivation. Yeah. So it seems to me that what initially seems like quite a romantic thing, mm -hmm. um, that, that actually there's quite a lot of practicality in it, as you say, you know, it's yeah. a meeting place, so it needs to be descriptive enough that yeah. someone knows where to find it yeah. but are there kind of stories and legends interwoven into these place names did you yeah. find any of those um, let me have a think I mean there often are I mean there's um, as you say what we call that is prosaic place names that 99% of these people were living you know subsistence mm. lives so as you said they needed they needed they needed to identify names by often their function or things like that. Yeah, I'll tell, tell the story of Loch Nagar. That's uh, interesting. So that's now the name of a mountain. But of course, Loch means, um, is the Gaelic and Scots word for uh, a loch or a lake, um, like that. Um, um, and the exact reason is unknown, but the name 
um, itself comes from a small loch on the north face of the mountain, which was called Loch Nagaira, which means the loch of the outcry or just the cry. Um, the, the, the cry. Um, it's thought to take its name from the howling of the wind among, among the rocks. Um, and for some reason, we don't know why, that's now the name of the whole, the whole mountain. But it's fairly exceptional their name for a loch should give itself to a name of a, a mountain. But, um, and that, of course, gives rise to why, what was the name of the, the original name of the mountain. And the answer is it was called Bainian Kichen, which means the hill, hill of the paps, or sort of the rise or the breast, uh, in, in the sense of a, a hill. Um, and that name was recorded by the last generation of native speakers in Gaelic. Um, um, and they're called in Scots Micklepap and Littlepap, which mm-hmm. means big and and uh, little, and in Gaelic is a hichvor, which means the same thing, but in in Gaelic. So it's just a, it's a, just a fascinating example of how how names do evolve and move to and fro over time. And uh, people do tend to think that Gaelic is ancient and therefore it's static, but that's just simply not true. Gaelic was a living, is a living language and was even more so uh, in the times gone past and, and place names and words and meanings evolved over time mm. and that, ne- that's never stopped um, um, and that still happen, carries on happening to this, to this very day. I've got one really interesting place name okay. that I really quite like um, and that's, um, it's just fun, it's just a fun little name. It's called um, Lynch Isle, so that's L-Y-N-C-H-I-S-L-E, um, a Lynch Isle, um, which is a limited edition whiskey distilled at Kleinlich Distillery, and I wondered where that came from, and yeah. there's no such place in Scotland called Lynch Isle, and then of course I suddenly realised, actually it's just it's simply an anagram of Kleinlich, um, oh. and it's, it's, although it's a place name, there's no place called that so I sort of I find that I sort of was quite pleased with myself when I worked that one out that is it that's a yeah. good one I also yeah. I really liked when I was um, looking at the book uh, Caperdonna yes um, yeah. the, so the Lord's Well um, yeah. and, the, and the fact that there may have been some kind of holy well there yeah. That, um, yeah, yeah. That, that people went to um, yeah. as a sort of pilgrimage yeah um, I, I suppose uh, you know it's uh, the whiskey ties into that quite nicely yeah um, yeah but, yeah, that seemed kind of, you know, a bit almost a myth legend in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Topur Dornach is quite a common name, and it means, like, the, the well of the Lord, like Dornach, mm-hmm. like dom, Dominus, the Latin, sort of the, the yeah. known word. And quite a lot of them are the Lord's well. And sometimes they get called the Sunday well, because in uh, Gaelic Sunday is Jidornach, the, the, the day of the Lord, mm-hmm. yeah, the Sabbath, the Lord's yeah. day. So it's quite a lot of them are called the Sunday, the Sunday well, but a lot of them might have been, might have been uh, special wells in pre-Christian times. We don't know, but it's um, yeah, it's now a, now supplies uh, whiskey <laughs> as Capradonic rather than Topradonic. Mm. Yeah. And going back to your book, how should people approach it? Um, should they read it all at once? Should they dive in and out? Oh, no. What do you recommend? I say read the introduction um, to get a, to get a, a basis of it. Um, if you yeah want to enjoy it, read the introduction, and then what I would say is dip in and out of it because it's not really meant to be read from A to Z. I think people are doing that, but I would definitely say as you're sipping a different whiskey, um, look you. Read it as you're drinking that whiskey, and then of course, I mean, a lot of these whiskeys are more or less unobtainable mm. on this in this day. Um, 
but I would say just open it on a random page and just have a read mm. and then so often there's, there'll be like the info boxes of different information and you can hop from name to name or it might have information see other names and you can pop around like that and just keep opening it at random is what I would do um, um, this is, that's, that's how it's meant to be mm-hmm. meant to be used I think rather than, rather than A to Z and then at the end of course I've got um, at the end I have a short section on the lost distilleries of Scotland so there some names uh, some of the books that I read about whiskey said there are some names of distilleries that were un, unidentified but mm-hmm. um, I think I have identified them because I spend a lot of time looking at old maps and um, and uh, and errors in old documents and things that a lot of them I was quite easily able to mm-hmm. uh, identify so um, I hope I've uh, been able to help future whiskey books future people writing about the history of whiskey I haven't identified the site of the necessarily the site of the distillery but I've identified the, the, the settlement after which they're named right. so hopefully people in the future um, will be able to, be able to use that information and then of course I've got the references at the end mm-hmm. for anyone who wants to follow anything up um, um, how did you go about choosing the place names that you included in this book yeah yeah that's a good question so um, as in the introduction I used so I I basically decided um, basically I decided it's basically after anything a name that's either on the bottle of whiskey or is the name of a distillery mm. so I I narrowed that down a bit. I said if the distillery has been open after 1950, um, or if the site of the distillery is visible today, because there's literally been hundreds of distilleries mentioned in our records. Yeah. They're open for two years in 1880. And I thought, well, no, no one's going to be particularly interested in that. So I left them out. Um, and then I said, or if the place name appears in writing on a whiskey bottle that one could reasonably buy today. Mm-hmm. But even sometimes, you know, it's all a whiskey auction of a whiskey that sold for thousands of pounds, but yeah. if there's a place name on it, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on out of interest. And so just to say, it's not the names of all whiskies. It's not about whiskey names. So like Johnny Walker's isn't in here, for instance, because that's not, the, not a place name. It's just mm-hmm. where a place name, however loosely identified that could be, um, is on a bottle then it will go on this but it's not i'm not trying to get the name of every whiskey because they're not all all place names mm-hmm. and for anyone who's looking to better pronounce their place names do you have any tips well yes i've got um i've got a bit of an introduction guide here um for some of them um and there's also a bit of a pronunciation guide here um it's um it's limited I want to say it's limited in scope really the best thing to do is learn Scots and Gaelic and live in Scotland and then then you'll be able to uh, pronunciate uh, pronunciate <laughs> you'll be able to pronounce the names better um, but I do have a do have a pronunciation guide which as I say is limited another thing if, as people want to be able to know where to stress the name that's where I find people often often trip up I do have a little bit of a guide um, at the end I do have a pronunciation guide in the introduction um, and just at the end of that and just to say broadly broadly speaking the stress often lies on the second less familiar element so if the name begins with a familiar element like Baal or Och or Abba or Kill there's lots of names like that the second element so 
Balmore, you don't say Balmore, or Inverness, you don't say Inverness, mm. um, which some places um, in, in, there are places called Inverness in, in America and Canada, they're called Inverness, but it's Inverness, um, uh, things like that, and then um, for place names with two syllables, it's, it's difficult to say really, but two syllables ending in ick or egg, um, generally it's the first syllable, like Malig, not Malaig, mm. um, generally and that's names of Norse origin, but it's, there's going to be lots and lots of exceptions to that, but that's, that's how to wait. And, and also generally, if something's written CH, generally it's going to be pronounced K and mm. not CH, mm. you know. So, um, Orkranach is not Orkranach, or Orkranach, you know, it's a, um, it's a, or not Orkranach. <laughs> so it's, it's very, very difficult, but there is a little bit of a guide in there, um, and I hope I can help people out. And hopefully in the second edition, I think I'll do more on the pronunciation, because mm-hmm. I know that's a, something that people struggle with a lot. Yeah, especially I think if you're if you if you've not been to Scotland or you've not mm. been to Scotland often, yeah, um, it can be it can be difficult. Although um, as a German speaker, I find you know the noises yeah. is, is easy enough. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But I think I think you, you just have to know when you when to know, you to do it. Yeah. You just you often just automatically see C H and you just say Ch, yeah. which is fair enough. But yeah. if you sort of remember to do it, and, it, and then of course there are exceptions. <laughs> Sometimes C H is a Ch, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm English myself, and I remember coming and there's a place in Edinburgh called Castorfin, mm. and the first time I saw that, I just pronounced it Costafine, <laughs> just because that's <laughs> what it looked like on the end. It had I N E at the end, P H I N E. I just pronounced it Costafine. I think there I think there are words like that that are a bit tricky um, and it, it always feels like a bit of a, a test when, mm. when someone first comes to Scotland yeah. to see how they're going to yeah. pronounce it yeah. um, but, but you learn and then after that you know you, you say it the yeah. way it's and I, I mean I still so. trip up I still say names wrong and well, I, I give talks to like local local heritage societies and you know and I come in and say names people have lived there 40 yeah. years 50 years so I always stop and say how do you say this shout it out and then I know how to say it yeah. you know Otherwise, I'll get shouting down. It's quite, <laughs> quite popular. But um, an interest is all you need, mm-hmm. and people understand. People understand it's not easy. And for anyone looking to get a copy of your book, where can they find it? You can get it in any good bookshop, Excellent. and probably some bad ones as well. Um, yeah, you can get it. Um, yeah, you should be able to order it. I mean, through Whittles Publishing, it's uh, 1699 um, pounds and $22.95. It's on sale. I know it's on sale in America, on order from books, mm-hmm. from bookshops, from Barnes and Noble or local, lo- oh, your great. local, local bookshop. And it's on. You can get it from local new bookshops, more or less anywhere. Yeah, it's in stock. As of today, it's in stock. Excellent. Um, yeah, and you should be able to get it. Yeah, you can get it on online as well. Um, but I would say support your local independent bookshop is what I would say, and go go to one of them and order it from them. And I can only recommend Jake's book as the perfect pairing to a dram when you want to delve into the true meaning of its place name. You can find out more about the A to Z of whiskey place names in the August issue of Unfiltered, the members' magazine of the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, at smws.com. As always, there's a host of other fascinating whiskey knowledge and entertainment in there for members of the SNWS. And if you haven't signed up yet as a member, what are you waiting for? That's it for this episode of Whiskey Talk. Until the next time, cheers. Cheers.